When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the Game Misconduct Podcast with Don LaGreca. And welcome to the Wednesday edition of Game Misconduct. I am Don LaGreca. Wednesday is usually not EJ Raddick, but when you're a star and you got to go down to South Florida for the All-Star Game and you know your private jet wasn't fueled properly to be able to be on the show for Monday, we had to skip it over to Wednesday. And uh, we're able to work it out with your busy schedule, EJ. Thank you for giving us a couple of minutes on this yeah, busy Wednesday. well... To refer to use a hockey a remark that Mike Milbury once made many years ago. The uh, the company bicycle wasn't uh, that we had a flat, so uh, you know it's a long and it's a long, a lot of pedaling between here and Fort Lauderdale. So uh, you know, but I was able to make it back with one stop in Orlando, see the boss on his new on the tour. Oh, good tour! So that was exciting for me, and uh, yeah, it was great. It was great. So, but here I am. Let's do it. Let's talk. So what did you think of uh, the weekend? I mean, like, you know, I've always said, now we've probably had this conversation before because I've been to like 30 All-Star games now and All-Star weekends or something like that. And, you know, they're not for me, right? They're, they're for what, who they're for are young kids or kids, young people, big fans, definitely for them and for the sponsors. And that's what it is. And, you know, the players who get to go and get invited, especially the ones who don't get to go all the time, like a Brock Nelson, or, you know, you go through the list, uh, Chandler Stevenson, Stuart Skinner was there, Logan Thompson, I mean, like, it's exciting for for them to get that opportunity to be part of something like that. So, you know, again, for me, I've seen it, I've seen that movie a, a lot, uh, they're trying to do different things now, some of them are aimed for someone like me, they're aimed for a younger audience, and... I think they, you know, they, they're really trying to be creative and come up with different things to make it work. And so, you know, on the whole, I think it's successful in that regard. I mean, for people watching on TV who are big hockey fans, are they, uh, you know, turned on by a game where there's really, you know, there's just not three-on-three, three, which is fun, but there's not any kind of physical juice to the game, just like you see in the NFL now, right? They just went right. to flag football in the Pro Bowl, right? And they've created all these other things. So that's what we're seeing in these sports where – Physicality is such an important part of what has drawn us to them over many years. So, um, but I think for the for the fans who were there, and for the sponsors, and for those for those people for those those players who are getting a chance to to be part of that for the first time, I think it's terrific. And the guys who are there that have been there many times, I think it's great for the fans to get to see the Crosby's and the Ovechkins and the McDavid's. So, you know, I think there was a lot of positives to it. Yeah, I brought it up the other day, EJ, and we've had this conversation, as you mentioned, many, many times. You know, it is what it is. And, you know, I brought up, you know, you can't paint a turd. I don't want to make it seem like it's a turd. But, you know, all these different ideas. Why don't we try this? Why don't we try that? Yeah, it'll work for a little while, and then it just becomes what it is. It's the all-star yes, game. Exactly. There's nothing else. Exactly. You're not going to be able to yeah. change it. That It is it is what it is. You live with it, and you try to toy with some different ideas to kind of keep yourself entertained. But at the end of the day, all I know is, as a diehard hockey fan, and anybody listening to this podcast obviously is a diehard hockey fan, 
you were really excited for Monday when the regular season got back underway because that's what yeah, you love about the sport. Exactly. Exactly right. Exactly right. And I would say one other thing because, you know, there's always a lot of discussion about the skills and, you know, what they could do differently. And, again, they're not aiming at me. So, you know, nobody's asking me my thoughts at this point. But I, I would just, for us and for the listeners who are real hockey fans, I think that maybe lean back into the hockey skills part of it because when I was thinking about it, people remember, like, that accuracy shooting thing. Like, people still remember Ray Bork doing that yeah. 25 years ago, right? I mean, uh, the fastest skater, the, the hardest shot. People still remember Al McGinnis and Al Iafrady, for crying out loud. I mean, like... Like, maybe lean into those skills a little bit more and go back to, like, you know, some kind of accuracy passing where they'd flip it in, throw sauce pass into those little nets from distance or things of that nature. Maybe you lean back into hockey skills more and less gimmicky. But, again, they're not asking me. So right. that's just my thought. When I, when I started thinking about it, I was like, boy, people remember those events, Don. They were a long time ago. And people still remember them. People still look forward to Zeno Chara at the, the hardest shot, right? And, the, you know, the fastest skater way back when, Mike Gartner, was, I think he's the only guy that won three times in a row. And people are always excited to see McDavid. He didn't enter this year. But, you know, those are things that, that uh, it seems like over many years people remember them, which is, tells you that they have some impact, right? Yes. Now, we didn't have Jan, I guess, just encapsulating your opinion, A, the Bo Horvat deal, and then eventually the contract extension. Well, it's too long, and it's too much money. <laughs> <laughs> As Luke said. To quote Jan as GM, Lou Lamarillo. <laughs> um, and it is. He's right. Like, a lot of these deals are too especially for players they get into their late 20s because now you – you know, push that through eight years. Like it's, you know, if you get 28 to 36 of somebody's life in hockey, I mean, I'd rather have what Buffalo did with Dylan Cousins, right? I'd rather get a guy between like 22 and 30, roughly, right? Those are the best years of someone's career, most likely. Having to to buy years on the back end, like in a Horvat situation, like where is he going to be at at 33, 34, 35, 36? Hard to know, right? Uh, the way they structured the deal was such, I don't think there's any signing bonus, so, I mean, it could be a straight buyout that gives the Islanders a little bit of leverage there if things don't go well, but you hope that they do. So far, they have. The Islanders need someone that can score goals, and Bull Horvitz having a terrific offensive year. He's already got a career high now in goals. Uh, he's a great face-off guy. He's a, a pretty good two-way player. Um, and I think the other thing it does, it sends a message in that room that, hey, we're trying to, you know, we're trying to get better. It sends a message to the fan base as well, and, uh, kind of shakes up the team a little bit because that team has been pretty much the same for the last three or four years. And I think, you know, Beauvillier was a guy that was, you know, a, an important piece of that room. Now he's out of the mix. That changes things. Bo Horvat is in it. Just sometimes you need change. And so I think from an Islander standpoint, long-term, is it going to be great? Who knows, right? But at least in the short term, it gives them an opportunity to make a push for the playoffs. They mm -hmm. think they've won four in a row. They've got a good schedule coming up. They can maybe build on that. I know some of the teams that are that are in that same mix with them have a bunch of games in hand, so that works against them. But you know, the bottom line is you're winning games, you're putting up points, so that's good news. Um, from Vancouver's standpoint, um, you know, Ratu can be a really good player. I think we'll see how time you know how it plays out. I don't think he'll be. 
a Horvat-type player, but he could be a pretty good player and helpful player for them. I think uh, Bovillier is one of these guys you can plug in a lot of different places, so I think he could be a helpful player in Vancouver, and they get a first-round draft pick, and it depends kind of how things finish out for where that pick ends up. But, you know, for Vancouver, I think they've got to now look at their group. I mean, they didn't, they didn't add a defenseman unless they draft him with that pick. And they've got to look at their group. They've got a gaggle of forwards. They've got a lot of good forwards there. But they really have to help rebuild that defense. So that's what's going to be the challenge for the people in Vancouver is to take that group of forwards that they have and kind of make this this deal, this first deal they've made, it's got to be the fabric of more deals that are going to come if they're going to kind of retool that group. But they certainly need help on defense. They need some, they, they have one top four defenseman in Quinn Hughes. They need to fix that. And uh, it's, tr- it's tricky because they have some tough contracts there with Alvarez and Larson amongst them. So, uh, you know, so we'll see. But Vancouver's one of the—they're in a tough spot because they've got all—they've got guys. That, they've got really high-end players up front, and Hughes is a terrific player. And when Thatcher Demko gets back, he's a really good goalie. So we'll see what they need to do. We'll see what they're going to do down the road. But I think they need to turn some of those forwards into defensemen. Yeah, from what I could tell, he was on the ice at the Garden this morning. He's not going to play, but I guess he's getting a little bit closer. Uh, to play in between the pipes for uh, the Canucks. I want to take you back to Monday. I, I discussed this on the podcast yesterday, but I wanted to get your thoughts as an old-school guy. I'm calling the game with Stemmer, and I don't know if you remember the Ranger-Flame game. There were three significant hits, two by Truba, one by Boy. Yeah. All three were legal hits. Actually pretty refreshing, mm-hmm. to be honest with you, because we haven't seen that kind of fat physicality in one game in quite a long time. And the Flames responded all three times by jumping the player that hit. And, like, Stemmer's screaming, like, why, come on, why do we keep doing this? Why do you keep jumping the play? It's a legal hit. I get defending your teammate, and you don't know if it's legal or not in real time. So I don't have a problem with the Flames responding the way they did. Matter of fact, they hurt themselves by taking penalties by responding. But my, my, my question to you is, so Jacob Truba, for instance, he levels Kadri, gets jumped by Dubé. Why does he have to spend five minutes in the box? I, I understand he fought Dubé. So I guess he it, technically he committed the penalty, but you know what is he supposed to do? Allow himself to get jumped? Now he pummeled Dubé, and they took the roughing penalty, and the Rangers scored on it, so they made him pay. But you know what I'm saying, EJ? You get into the you do something perfectly legal, somebody jumps you, and now you got to sit in the box for five minutes. Is there a way to balance that out, or to just say, hey, listen, we're going to let you fight, and not give you five minutes because you have the right to defend yourself? Well, I think you get a little bit of a slippery slope there because now you're trying to parse like what a fight is and when if you know i mean if if truba just turtles and lays there then you have a case for like hey he didn't fight he didn't take gloves he didn't fight but you know most guys are not going to do that they're going to defend themselves as you say so uh you know i i don't know if there's kind of a way around that but it does happen all the time it's happened a long time right guys respond to those hits and you're right like that's the thing that fans don't don't really realize is that in real time when you see like you know Nathan Cadre is an important player for the Flames in real time he just got like hammered right yeah. like you're not sure like and and you know sometimes you just have to make a statement like hey we're not gonna you know we're not gonna let, we're not gonna stand for that whether we like it as fans or or people in the booth it's a clean hit yeah I mean that gets parsed out as we watch the replay oftentimes. Sometimes we don't even sure when we watch it live, right? It looks like it's a clean hit, but we want to watch it and see, did he get an elbow up? Did he get an eye? Those cases, those were clean hits. So I, I think that's just part of the game. I, I think it's interesting, though, Don, the, uh, you know, coming out of the break, right? We're coming out of the break. Teams are kind of refreshed 
and guys have had some time off, and you know the guys went to the All Star game, but even then it was not like a heavy lift. They're in nice weather. They're taking it easy, nice dinners, not doing too much on the ice. It's funny you had that game last or two nights ago, and then last night you had Edmonton and Detroit, which was a really feisty game as well, where there was several kind of fights and incidents. And I just think it's indicative of it. It's 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 a great moment in the season because these guys are refreshed again, and you know this is as healthy as guys are going to be probably until July. Yeah. So I think, you know, teams are revved up. They're excited to play again. Everybody's relatively healthy. And, and so I think you see these kind of energetic games. I don't think you saw these games like three weeks ago when teams were trying to get to the break and guys were dealing with injuries and playing through things. So I think that's the thing I, I took away from that Flames game and also from the Red Wings and Oilers last night is that these guys are kind of uh, just re- refreshed a little bit and it makes for entertaining and exciting hockey, which is good for us and good for fans. And, you know, we'll see how it plays out. But over time, right, you get into February, then March is a grind in April. And that's going to be hard. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Would you be concerned at all if you're the avalanche where you're sitting right now as we go deeper into February? No. I mean, listen, it's not ideal. I mean, would you rather be sitting in first place and, and, and rolling along? Yeah, I guess you would be. But for now, they're, they're in a playoff spot. They've got games, on hand, games in hand on, on some of the teams that are behind them and in front of them. I mean, for example, they got four games in hand on, on L.A. Now, that's in a different division, so that's more of an Edmonton-L.A. battle. Somebody falls out of there. But, right. you know, I think they're getting healthier. They got Byram back, right? So, uh, you know, they got some other players back in their lineup. They're still without Ladderskog. Um, the thing I worry about mostly with Colorado right now, really for the rest of the year, is going to be, you know, Francois and Georgiev. How are they going to hold up? Because they were, Georgiev really had to play hard, play a lot and play hard in that first half. And, you know, that's kind of new for him. So that would be my only concern for Colorado is like, you know, are the goaltenders going to hold up over the course of the 82-game season? Because there was a lot of duress earlier, and Francois is someone that was hurt. He missed some time. That caused Jorgiev to have to play more than they probably planned. And, you know, he's somebody that's had that injury issues in the past. So that would be my one area of concern. But, uh, you know, like last night they lost in overtime. They should have won the game. I mean, Casey DeSmith was really good. They had some yeah, bad luck on the net. Yeah, yeah and then uh, Pittsburgh was able to score in overtime and win it. But, uh, no, I mean, like I said, in a perfect world, yeah, you'd like to be have a little bit more of a cushion. But, you know, barring any, any really bad injury situations, the Colorado Avalanche, I think, are in a good spot. They're going to continue to climb, I think. In that uh, you know, in that central division, I don't know if you know they got a little bit of ways to get to Dallas right now. I mean, Dallas is sitting at sixty-eight, Colorado's at fifty-eight. There's some games in hand. They get three games in hand, so that might be a challenge to get to one. But I think they can. I think they're going to pass Minnesota at some point, and then it's going to be a situation of how well they play down the stretch and where Edmonton and da- or excuse me, Winnipeg and Dallas, how they finish. So, uh, now- but I'm not. I'm not too concerned. Now we've got you know some time before the deadline. Although it does go quick, 
Um, the Islanders couldn't afford to wait, right, because they needed every win they can get. But as we get closer yep. and closer to the deadline, and you were down in Florida, so any rumblings, anything that you're hearing of a team, anything rumored that might actually happen here before we get to March? I don't think anything more than what's been said. I think it's mm-hmm. pretty obvious there are teams that think they have a chance to win that have holes. I mean, like Carolina's been playing some great hockey of late. They've they get seven in a row and nine zero and one in their last ten, and you know right now they're they're really making a nice push. Like I think then you know with Patcharetti being out, uh, they've got some LTIR room there. I think uh, they certainly need a second center. You know that would be ideal if they could get somebody like that. I mean, uh, you know I don't know if Dylan Larkin is going to be available or not, but if he was, I mean he'd be a good fit because of the way he skates. Uh, Ryan O'Reilly, Jonathan Taze, you know, line up those those guys who you think could be a second center. So, you know, I think Carolina will be in the mix for those players. I'll be curious to see what the Devils do. I mean, they've been linked to Timo Meyer a lot. Uh, from what I understand, Timo Meyer might be interested in coming to New Jersey. There's a, a Swiss contingent there with with Nico Heischer and uh, Siegenthaler. So, you know, that might be a, a fit, you know, moving forward if, uh, if Timo Meyer gets moved out. Rangers obviously have been linked to Patrick Kane all year long. And, you know, I think with the really good play of, of uh, Heedle of late, you know, I see Heedle as kind of a second center between between uh, Zibanejad and Trocek, especially the way he's playing. So if you could add a Kane to the mix and get him back yeah. with Panarin, all of a sudden it really gives the Rangers uh, even more weapons. So, I, I you know, I, I think there's, it hasn't changed. I think the reality is teams are up against it cap-wise. They're waiting because they're trying to minimize the cap damage that they have to take on. And, uh, you know, there might be a situation where there's three-way deals just to accommodate some of that. Vegas is going to be a player now, too, it looks like, with Mark Stone out indefinitely due to mm-hmm. back surgery. I don't know if you have an answer to this. Somebody asked me on Twitter before I let you go, and I just didn't have an answer. I said I'll ask EJ when we have him on. You know, this Bally Sports bankruptcy and, and how that could affect the yeah. NHL and the upcoming salary cap. Any any theories on that? Any thoughts on it? Yeah, I mean, I guess the only thing we can do is wait to see how it plays out. I mean, I would think that it'll get... I would think there are interested parties. I know there's there are interested parties. And I think people prefer to buy something at a bankruptcy where they can get a better deal from themselves than to buy it you know, before that, right? So um, it's complicated financially. There's a lot of different regionals in the different spots of the country, but certainly, you know, for Major League Baseball, the NBA, the NHL, I mean, those are valuable, valuable pieces of the puzzle and really important. It's a changing landscape, as you know, and how people consume games. That seems to be changing every day. But I think those are still really important pieces. So I think uh, we'll just have to watch and see you know, who the suitors are, who buys it, and what the plan is moving forward. But, you know, it's hard for me to, to think about those things just disappearing, I mean, you know, immediately. That would be kind of a kind of a crazy circumstance yeah. uh, because these games are, you know, there's contracts and they're on television. And, you know, they're, they're financially, certainly there's a, you know, that impacts the, the individual clubs. So I think, you know, I don't know if I have a really a good answer for it either, but I do think that there are, there are certainly interested parties, and I think it'll play out financially. And then we'll see whoever purchases that or takes those over, how they decide to run them, whether they decide to run them with a more national flair or will they parse them out as they currently are. So I guess we'll see. But, you know, some of them, I mean, like, you know, 
obviously, like the Rangers are not in that group, right? Nor the Devils or the Islanders. That's a different discussion, right? So, I mean, every every market is a little different, and I think there are a number of those Valley Sports outlets. So, so it'll be fascinating to watch. And from a, from a business standpoint, for sure. It'll be fascinating to watch how it plays out. Hey, it affects basketball and baseball, too. They've got tons of properties. Absolutely, of absolutely, yeah. yeah. That, that could be effect across the board, all of sports, but you know, specifically sports with a salary cap. EJ, always a pleasure, man. I know you got to get to work. Uh, enjoy the rest of your week, man. We'll talk to you next week. You got it, Donnie. See you, buddy. All right, that's the great EJ Raddick. You can check him out on the NHL Network. NHL Now airs between the hours of 4 and 6 Eastern time. Just a couple of games on the docket tonight. I'll be calling the Rangers and the Canucks at the Garden. That's at 8 o'clock. Start 8.30 tonight. Minnesota will be at Dallas. So, so two pretty good games on the schedule tonight. Got a bunch coming up on Thursday and Friday as well. We'll be back with you again on Friday. We'll have our top five. We'll take your tweets at, at Don LaGreca, hashtag game misconduct. Thanks a lot for joining us here on a Wednesday. Back again on Friday. This was the Wednesday edition of Game Misconduct. This is the Game Misconduct Podcast with Don LaGreca.